0: All right, can we, can we all talk about something that is hard about living in Flagstaff? Can we kind of just corporately lament together and be sad about something that, that is life in Flagstaff? And it's this. We are saying way too many goodbyes all the time, okay? All the time, people are moving, Okay. People that are our friends, they're just moving away. I'm just constantly saying goodbye. I'm constantly crying and it feels like right when depth of relationship began to happen. And I'm just like, Dave, I just told you my deepest, darkest sins, you can't move away now. Like you know my inner life, like you have to stay. Right There's just this constant thing that happens uh, where people are moving away from Flagstaff and I'm constantly crying. And you guys, even if you've been coming to church for a few years now, you see me crying on stage as we're saying goodbye. We're constantly saying goodbye and it makes me sad. And in those moments when I'm sad, I'm sad because here's what I know. Usually when someone moves away, it means we're not going to spend very much time together ever again. I know that's morbid, that's dark, but it's true. And so I'm crying and I'm sad. And a lot of times my only hope in those moments, and this is real, this is true. My only hope in those moments is, well, at least in the resurrection, we'll get to hang out again. At least when Jesus returns and brings the resurrection to all his people, at least in the resurrection, I will be able to hang out with them. We'll be able to hang out as long as we want, and and there won't be really goodbyes in any sense. And that's my hope. I'm just kind of in sorrow, awaiting the resurrection, crying because I'm going to miss my friends, which is not that different of a place that we're going to find the disciples in today. In John chapter 16, I think by now they're starting to get what Jesus is saying. Maybe not all of it, but a lot of it. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, guys, I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be here as your rabbi and teacher as I have been. I'm going to go away. And the disciples are filled with sorrow over this. They don't understand it. They thought Jesus was gonna come with a sword and kind of fight Emperor Palpatine or whatever his name was and, and just take care of business. It's Caesar, I know that, just so you know. Um, and take care of business. But that's not what Jesus says. He gets to this long road to Jerusalem and Jesus says, hey, it's about to go bad. I'm gonna go away. And the disciples are just sorrowful and sitting in their sorrow. And they don't know it, but they're awaiting the resurrection. And as they're awaiting the resurrection, as Jesus sees them in their sorrow, in John chapter 16 here, what we're going to see is Jesus wants to show them some things. He wants them to know some things. He wants them to see some things. And here's what's beautiful about the Gospel of John. Even though these are the things that Jesus wanted the disciples, disciples to see and know, so that three days after the cross leading up to the resurrection was easier for them jesus was preparing them not only for those 3 days but also for the for the life that they would live after jesus ascends and goes to the father and then here's what else we know even though this is what john was saying what john shows us that jesus was saying specifically to the disciples in this moment john wrote it down so we disciples could read it and know these things as well and so even though Jesus is saying these things to the disciples for their benefit in their sorrow as they await the resurrection, we can hear these f- things from Jesus in our sorrow for our benefit as we await the resurrection as well. And so here's what we're gonna g- do today. We're gonna be in two different passages, uh, all, all the rest of John chapter 16. When I say two different passages, I just mean usually uh, theologians will split up uh, chapters by passages. And so we're gonna be in the, the rest of John Chapter 16, it's a lot of verses, and what we're going to see is as Jesus is going away and the disciples are kind of confused and sorrowful about that, there are some things that Jesus wants them to see, and, and most of them are about the resurrection in some way or about life awaiting the resurrection, And so we're gonna look at those things that Jesus is saying to the disciples and we're gonna see that he's saying them to us as well. And so we're gonna stop at five different places through chapter 16 and we're gonna look at five things that Jesus wants the disciples to see and us to see as we await the resurrection. Okay, does that make sense? Here, let me help you too a little bit. There is this theological idea about the resurrection Where Jesus essentially is, so the idea is that at the end of time, we're all going to be resurrected as his people. He's going to bring the resurrection to us. But the theological idea is this, is that was the plan, that was always the plan, and part of that plan was Jesus takes that resurrection and he brings it into the middle of history. And he brings that resurrection into the middle of history as a foretaste to that. And so today, why I say all that is I want you guys to know, as I talk about the resurrection, at moments, I'm talking about Jesus's literal resurrection. And at moments, I'm talking about the resurrection that we will all get in Christ at the end of time when Jesus returns, okay? And so often when I say the resurrection, I mean both, if that makes sense. Because it is both. Jesus has brought this resurrection that we will all get at the end of time into the middle of history, okay? So let's hop into the text. Hopefully that helps us. We're going to talk about five things that Jesus wants us to see as we await the resurrection, all right? So verse 16, we're going to read the first three verses and then stop for now. Jesus says this, a little while and you'll see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father? So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Let's stop there. So the first thing that Jesus wants the disciples to see is part of God's mission in restoring all things involves Jesus going away for a little while. Jesus wants the disciples to see that part of God's mission in restoring all things involves Jesus going away for a little while. The disciples really needed to hear that because remember, as I said earlier, they thought Jesus all of a sudden was going to pull out a sword and say, let's go fight Caesar. Let's kick Rome out of here. Let us let me restore your kingdom, your earthly kingdom. And that was not his plan at all. So they needed to realize that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going away for a little while. And that was part of God's plan. It was vital that the, the disciples understood this. It, is, it was vital that the disciples re-understood this. After the ascension, when Jesus goes to be with the Father. And so that means we need to understand it as well. And here's why we need to understand that. If part of God's mission in restoring all things is to have Jesus, the Son of God, go away for a little while, it means he's coming back. It means he's coming back. I know a bunch of us are going, this is obvious Sunday school stuff. And I go, well, you're not going to like the rest of the sermon, okay? It's going to be a lot of obvious Sunday school stuff. But this is what Jesus wants us to know. Him going away for a little while, we get focused on him going away. But what he's trying to communicate to us is he's going to be back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus will return. That's what Jesus wanted the disciples to know. They were sad because he was saying bye, but really Jesus was saying, see you later. I'll see you soon. I'll be back. A, a foundation for a lot of our hope as Christians is that Jesus has truly resurrected and he will return. That's a foundation for a lot of our hope as Christians. He's not gone forever. Even in the midst of, it feels like he is sometimes. Right? A lot of times, we, we love to ch- kind of cherry pick the sayings of Jesus and cherry pick the promises of Jesus. And really, what I want us to do is listen to all the promises of Jesus. And I think very often, we forget this promise of Jesus. His promise is, I'm only going to be gone a little while. I would have liked to say, hey, 2,000 years to me is not a little while, but... But it is to God. We need to remember the resurrection is coming for us. Jesus is going to return. And Jesus wanted the disciples to know that and see that. And he wants us to know that and see that. It is the basis for a lot of our hope as Christians. Let's keep going in the text. Verse 19. We'll read halfway through 22. I'll cut Jesus off and it's rude of me, but it will make sense. So, verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while, and you'll not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. Let's stop there. The disciples, they just want the brass tacks. Jesus, tell us, what's this little while? How long's a little while, Jesus? But instead of just, like Jesus has said, hey, three days, and I think in different places he basically did. Instead of telling them the brass tacks, Jesus wants to invite them into understanding God's process of restoration. So rather than saying, hey, it's three days, this is what a little while is, it's three days, instead of telling them that, he tells them what the little while will be like. This is to increase their trust in God, right? He could have said just three days and they would have just waited three days and who knows what they, wanted, what they would have done in that or how they would have done that, but Jesus wanted to invite them into something bigger. Jesus wanted them, them to see what the little while was like because it's, it was part of God's very mission to restore all things. It was part of how God wanted to, to restore all things. And so he also wanted to increase their understanding about how God's mission unfolds. And so here's the second thing that Jesus wanted them to see and he wants us to see. Awaiting the resurrection is painful. Awaiting the resurrection is painful. It's really encouraging, Anthony. Um, But this is what Jesus says. He wants them to know that this little while, as they await the resurrection, it will be painful, which sounds discouraging. But for those of us that have suffered in the room, those of of us that have longingly waited for the resurrection in pain, we say, man, that is validating. That helps me to know that God is not far from me in the midst of my suffering. That perhaps God has purposes I can't understand in the midst of my suffering, which is really hard to hear. But it's also good news. Because it means the suffering that we experience as we await the resurrection is in some sense part of God's plan. I'm not trying to blame God for us being sinned against and suffering happening that way. And I think God hates suffering, sin, and evil. And that's why he came to eradicate all that. But Jesus is validating to us when he lets us know, listen, this waiting, this awaiting, the resurrection it's going to be painful. And we should hear that as validating. We should hear that as, as an invitation and understanding the way this little while will play out. Because the way this little while plays out is part of God's unfolding mission to restore all things. And so then we can begin to look at suffering not as... Uh, Not as arbitrary, not as just chaos, but that God in his mercy is allowing sin to continue so that all might be saved, so that all things might be restored the way that God wants to restore them, and that's a tough pill to swallow, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe that's not true, but also maybe I'm right, and maybe that is what Jesus is communicating but either way, at the very least, what he's communicating to the disciples is awaiting the resurrection, it's painful. It's going to be a painful as you await the resurrection. It's going to be like giving birth, which I've seen three. It seems painful. It's very painful. It's painful for me, and I wasn't even giving birth. And so my wife would be like, it wasn't painful for you. And that's correct as well. Um <laughs> It can be, this idea of suffering makes it hard at times to follow God, but Jesus is real with us. He says, listen, awaiting the resurrection, it is going to be painful. It is important for us as disciples to get that. Okay, let's keep going in the text. Uh, verse 22, we stopped halfway through. This is what Jesus says at the next part of the sentence He says, But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The third thing that Jesus wants the disciples to see and he wants us to see is that with the resurrection comes a lasting joy. With the resurrection comes a lasting joy. This is the whole point of the birth imagery. Jesus is saying, awaiting the resurrection, it is painful, but you will get the sort of joy that a mom has when she has the baby. When the baby is in her arms. I don't know if I've ever heard a mom say, the labor wasn't worth the baby that I got. I've heard moms say a lot of things about labor, but I haven't heard them say it, th- to their baby, you know, you weren't worth it. This was too painful. No, most moms go, this was worth it. I'll do it again and to the point where they see other babies and they're like, I need to have another, right? Like, they're, th- This is the sort of joy a baby brings and God, Jesus, says to us, The resurrection is going to bring a joy like that. That no matter how painful life is, no matter how painful awaiting the resurrection is, the joy that we get from being with Jesus at the end of time, resurrected ourselves, will far, far, far outweigh the pain of this life. It will far, far, far outweigh the suffering we go through as we await the resurrection. Jesus wants us to know, know that. He has joy for us at the end, a lasting joy. Maybe you're like me, and very often suffering confuses you and makes it hard for you to believe in God, and you can't, and, it, it, and it's difficult. And sometimes it doesn't seem like following Jesus is worth it or that he's even just in the midst of suffering. What Jesus is trying to communicate here and what people like me need to hear is somehow it's going to be worth it. Somehow it will be just. There is a joy coming for us, friends. And it's going to outweigh all that. Go read Romans 8 if you want another place where where it talks about this idea. Everything we go through now will pale to the joy and the glory that we will receive at the resurrection of all things. What a beautiful promise that in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our confusion around that, we can go, Jesus has a joy for me, though, that's going to be lasting and complete and I would even argue because the resurrection happened in Christ already 2,000 years ago, there is a way to tap into that joy now, even. Maybe not fully, maybe not completely, maybe not easily, maybe not all the time, but there is a way to tap into the joy that Christ has for us. And I do think that is a little bit of what Jesus was alluding to to them, especially when he's talking about praying in his name again. In, the, in these chapters. Jesus is going to give us a joy through the resurrection that, far's outweigh, that far outweighs any experience of death and suffering that we have now. Okay, Let's keep going. Jesus wanted them to see that. We need to see it. Verse 25, Jesus says this, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me, and I believe that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know... That you know all things and you do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home. And you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone. For the Father is with me. Okay. Stop there for a minute. Jesus is saying to them, okay, guys, listen, this is, I'm going to the Father. The Father loves you. I love that Jesus just goes out of, out of his way to say, hey, by the way, the Father loves you. So even like your dynamic in your relationship with him, it sounds like to me is going to change because Jesus is going to bring us the love of the Father in a new way through the cross and the resurrection. But Jesus goes, hey, I'm going away. He, he, he basically says the same things he's been saying over and over again. And then all of a sudden the disciples are like, oh, we get it. Now you're speaking literally like we needed. it. This is what we were asking, right? I, I kind of feel like that they were like, we're just not going to get it. And one of them was like, totally, 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 Jesus, we get it now. We believe you. You came from God. Like I was telling Peter, don't question Jesus. He makes sense all the time. That's what I was just saying to Peter. And then Jesus is like, after they kind of said, we believe you. You came from God. We get it. Jesus do you? Do you believe in me? Remember, a theme throughout the Gospel of John has been this idea of kind of like a partial belief, like a partial entrusting of Jesus. Where there's kind of this going, okay, we kind of believe you. (laughs) We believe parts of what you're saying. And so Jesus, when he's saying to the disciples, do you believe? He's kind of going, do you actually believe? Do you really believe? And then he lets them know what's going to happen as they await the resurrection unknowingly. They're all going to scatter. They're all going to abandon him. John comes back to the cross, but they all abandon Jesus at some point. And Jesus wants them to know. It seems like Jesus wants them to see that they were going to abandon him. Here's what I think that teaches us. Here's what I think that shows us and the thing that we need to see. Without the resurrection, we will abandon Jesus. Without the resurrection, we will abandon Jesus. So the reason why I think Jesus wants to see it, this, or at least I want us to see this, is because we need the resurrection of the Son of God in order to have this faith and live out this faith, not our good behavior. Now, good behavior and love and, all, and virtue, these are good things that are part of our life, and we've talked about that as Christians But the center of our faith needs to be the cross and the resurrection. Throughout the New Testament, the cross and the resurrection should be the center of our faith. The disciples had neither the cross or the resurrection yet. And it caused them to abandon Jesus. It caused them to all scatter. If we... Don't allow the resurrection to be what centers our following of Jesus. We'll abandon him. There are a lot of great things about following Jesus. He said a lot of great stuff. I love his teachings. I love his way of life. Even the early Christians called their religion the way. I love a lot of all that. I think it's amazing. But sometimes We center our following of Jesus on something he said or something he taught and not all of he taught and often without centering on the resurrection itself. Our following of Jesus needs to be centered on the resurrection or we will abandon him, right? And nuance that out. I think we're called to love God and love people. I think that's like the center of our faith as well. And So I'm saying there's a few things in the center here, okay? A few priorities for Christians to have. But if we follow Jesus without the resurrection, we will abandon him. If this, if this all in here, it's just like, oh, we just really like a lot of the things he says. We like singing, we like community, we like, but we don't believe in the resurrection, we will abandon it. We will abandon him without the resurrection. Like, guys, I literally believe there was a man 2,000 years ago named Yeshua, that's Jesus, who died and literally died, was all the way dead, who literally came back to life. I literally believe that. Not metaphorically, not spiritually, I literally believe that happened. And if I don't allow that to be a center of my following of Jesus, I'll abandon Jesus. If I allow some other component of Jesus or some other component of the Bible to be what centers my following of Jesus that shouldn't be the center or shouldn't take precedent over the resurrection, then I'm honestly just prolonging when I'll abandon Jesus. A lot of us go to church for a lot of different reasons. If you're here and it's not because of the resurrection, I invite you to change that. I'm glad you're here. I want you to be here for all sorts of reasons. I'm thankful you're here. But Jesus really resurrected. Without the resurrection, without a firm, solid belief in the resurrection, we'll abandon Jesus. We will. We need the Holy Spirit to do that work in us so that we believe it. But honestly, there is even a lot of historical evidence to look at for the resurrection. We will abandon Jesus if the resurrection isn't a major cornerstone of our faith. Jesus really came back to life. Okay, let's read just one more verse. Verse 33, Jesus says this, I've said these things to you, That in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The last thing that Jesus wanted the disciples to do and to see was to take heart and to see that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus is saying to them as they await the resurrection listen, there will be. Trials and trouble. I want you to have peace. Everything I've done is to bring you peace, wholeness, shalom. But living in this life, living in this world, awaiting the resurrection, the things that the world will give you is suffering, is tribulation. That word tribulation just means trials, pains, problems. This world will give us pain, suffering, and death. But Jesus wants to give us peace. And because he can give us peace, because he did resurrect, we can take heart, we can be brave, because Jesus has overcome the world. Even the world throws a constant stream of death our way. Jesus said, I want the world to throw that same stream at me. And on the cross, Jesus allowed the world's suffering, the world's tribulation, the death of the world to consume his life. But it didn't consume his life the way the world consumes our lives because Jesus is far more powerful than the powers of this world. He resurrected, he overcame the world in its ways of death and suffering and tribulation. Jesus is saying to the disciples, because of that, be brave, take heart, stand strong in me, be a disciple of Christ, keep going. You can do that because the world doesn't win, I've won. Death doesn't win, I've won is what Jesus says. Jesus has the victory, not the world in our darkest moments when it really looks like the world has victory, we can take heart because Jesus has the victory. He's the only one that's taken on death, experienced death, allowed death to consume him, and it was not powerful enough to consume him. We literally believe Jesus resurrected. And it means we can take heart. As confusing as the world is, as painful as the world is, we can take heart, we can be brave, because Jesus has overcome the world. Not us. Not his church. He, he has overcome the world. That's what we have in Christ. Take heart, for he's overcome the world. So the things that Jesus wanted us to see today is that he's gone for a little while, but He's coming back. It's going to be painful waiting for him. But the joy that comes at the end of our waiting will far outweigh that pain. We need the resurrection to keep ourselves from abandoning Jesus. And because all of that is true and Jesus overcame the world, we can take heart and find peace in him. Church, may we see the resurrection truly and totally. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for this discourse here at the end of 16. I'm just thankful that you had John write this down. I bet John knew what he was doing when he wrote it all those years later. John knew how you had prepared him and his friends to await the resurrection, and he knew That was what we need to await the resurrection. God, a lot of the things we talked about today, they seem obvious about you at times. But even if they're obvious, God, could they be life-changing for us in this room? God, in the midst of their obviousness, would you refresh in our hearts miracle that is the resurrection, the beauty that is the resurrection. Knit us to you by the power of the Spirit so that we have a deeper understanding and awareness of the resurrection. God, thank you for this great hope. May we be more hopeful Christians because of the resurrection. God, for those of us as we await the resurrection, and it is painful, and it feels like the worst labor pains ever, God, would you draw near? Would you give hope? Would you give that peace? Would you give that joy? Because we know also that you brought the resurrection into the middle of history, and some way through your spirit we can tap into that. God, help us to see these things. Help us to see what you want us to see. We love you and we need you. Amen.